1: This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
0: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's show, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk all about... AEW and NXT I'm telling you right now Two awesome shows From AEW and NXT Last night and to talk about AEW's main event Who better than Santana and Ortiz Sit down with Bully and I To not only talk about the main event From last night but now a year With AEW and what that has Been like all that right now On the Busted Open Podcast the way NXT started last night, Io Shirai and Shotzi Blackheart. And then the way that uh, AEW started with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and FTR, two great opening contests. And what I loved about, first of all, I thought that might've been the best FTR match since coming to AEW. You talked about it, that it didn't feel like FTR was kicking into gear. I felt like they kicked into gear last night, but even in a law, Saatchi, Shotzi Blackheart looked amazing, and she's a future star. There's no doubt about it. And Jungle Boy on the AEW side, he's going to be a star as well. You saw that in both opening contests last night.
2: Good stuff from both of them. Shotzi Blackheart uh, is lucky she's not, she, she doesn't have any broken ribs this morning because Io Shirai with that moonsault caught her, caught her with all of her shins on uh, Shotzi's ribs. And EO's definitely got to make sure she hits that moonsault the right way because a lot of bad things could have happened last night. Uh, There was one thing I was really happy to see Shotzi do last night. It was so, so small, but it was after the match. So she catches that moonsault. She gets pinned. And then after the match, they were both up. And I'm saying to myself, I don't want them both up at the end of the match. I'd like to see Shotzi down selling while EO is shaking her hand while she's still down selling. And then they shook hands. But Shotzi went back down to a knee, which is good. She went back to the cell. Little things like that mean something because it's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna will myself to stand up. I'm gonna shake your hand. I'm gonna acknowledge you. But then I got to go back down to the cell. So good little small things right there
0: that bring the credibility to the work. You know what? I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because peppered in NXT last night there was a lot of very small things that you probably wouldn't catch first glance but should be brought up in other words like Killian Dane, when he's watching the uh, what was it essentially a handicap match last night it wasn't the typical like you know standing in front of the screen in the back and an angle where the camera can see both what's going on in the screen and the face he's like sitting and you know as you would if you were watching a match in the back and people behind him and stuff going on behind them like you know a lot of people probably didn't catch it but again reality based things that's the way that it would actually happen if he was just watching it in the back small things that mean a lot at the end of the day One of the things that made uh, people fall in love with ECW
2: back in the day was the fact that it was so unpolished. They didn't didn't do things by the book. And I'm not talking about the wrestling. I'm talking about the camera shots, cameras moving around all over the place, things that are not well-lit, grungy, dark. Mm -hmm. Last night. Killian Dane is in the back. We're seeing him from the side with a bunch of other people in the shot that we really might not know who they are. And he's watching the screen as if somebody just snuck up on him and got the shot. That's the stuff that works. Those polished shots that they use on Raw and SmackDown when they cut to the back and, you know, you have to stand a certain way. So just like you said, so the audience can see you and you're looking at the screen and, whoa, you got to react now and look very pensive or look shocked and surprised. It's not real. Give me, I I know I'm watching a show, but give me the most real reactions. Give me the most real body language. How would somebody really react to this? Dave, I've been in so many situations, whether it's uh, teaching uh, younger wrestlers at the Team 3D Academy or working with younger wrestlers, and they'll say, well, what should I do here? Or how should I react here? And my answer is, I don't know. What seems real to you? How would you react? What would you do? If, uh, if I kicked you in the ribs, how would you sell? So when I look at wrestling, I take everything and I say to myself, if this was real, how would I react? And how would that other person react? And that's when you get the best wrestling because it's real emotion. It's, it's real. Take whatever is real and just learn how to work it. It's like a punch right? I'm so sick and tired. And I've been tired of this for a long time of the stupid pro wrestling punch. You know what I'm talking about? That big, like wind up come from the side kind of punch. Listen, you're not a, you're not a fighter, but would you have a punch that way? No, it's, it's, it's at that you're, you're setting it up to be blocked. That's not the way a a, a person throws a punch. So whenever I teach people how to throw a punch, I tell them the same thing. If I walked up to you in the street and I said something really bad about a family member of yours, how would you punch me in the face? And they show me and I go, great. That movement right there, that's how I want you to throw a punch in the ring and now just learn how to work it. That's it whatever is real your real body language your real body your own athletic ability everything should be real and then right on the tail end of it we just learn how to work it that should go for wrestling moves that should go for psychology the whole 9 yards
0: yeah, I, I, I think it definitely makes a difference. And you saw it in AEW, too, at the beginning with the Young Bucks. When they went back into, you know, guerrilla position, there's Tony Khan. And Tony Khan was, like, surprised, and he's in his shorts and a T-shirt, and FTR is getting ready to come out for their match. Like, that's what it would probably look like in, in a normal circumstance. It wasn't would just it really? set up with lights. Would it I really? Mean, I mean, to me, it kind of looked realistic compared to what you see on, uh, on a Monday Night Raw. I
2: will say that it looked realistic as in Tony Khan was in the back. It was dark. He's, you know, he's not in a suit or anything like that. But I thought Tony Khan's reaction should have been a lot more shocked. Like when the Bucks came back through, Tony, they already double super kicked Alex Marvez, right? Yes. Who's a commentator. Can't really defend himself. He's a backstage interviewer. From what happened that time, Tony Khan should be pissed, Right. Yeah. He already find them $5,000 each, right? Yep. Now they go out there and they double super kick a referee. If I'm Tony Khan, as soon as those guys come back through the curtain, I'm up and I'm going, what the hell is wrong with you guys? You're both EVPs. You can't go around doing stuff like that. That's wrong. To- I think Tony, uh, if that would have been the first time, maybe Tony would have been a little shocked. This is the second time. Hey, guys, what you're doing is wrong. That's not cool. That's not why I got into business with you. Now I'm finding you $10,000 a piece. And now the bucks just take out the money and go, here, boom, throw it at him and leave. That's realistic. If you were an owner of a company, that's how you would react. And those guys are not just wrestlers. They're executive vice presidents. They're founding fathers of AEW. You would think that the boss would be a little bit more pissed off.
0: when you talk about characters and personalities and about the elite and the foundation starting to crack or maybe has completely cracked let's look over on NXT on the flip side with the Undisputed Era because last week with Adam Cole you know ultimate sign of respect to Finn Balor you know not exactly a heelish move and then you see Kyle O'Reilly over the last couple of weeks kind of playing that babyface role kind of playing the, the role of Peacemaker we saw that a couple weeks ago, and then we saw it again last night. I'm wondering if we're starting to see the end of the Undisputed Era in NXT. Um,
2: Adam Cole is the star of the show over there when it comes to the Undisputed Era in my eyes. What I saw last night from Kyle O'Reilly, I dug. I think branching off uh, Fish and who's the other cat? Strong. And Roderick Strong as a tag team, not a bad idea. It's, gonna, it's just going to depend on whether or not these guys can get over on their own. Now, here's the problem I see. Not necessarily a problem, but a challenge for the rest of the Undisputed Era. We can agree that Adam Cole is the over guy. He's the standout star in the group. Yes or no? Agreed. Agreed, yes. Okay, so now the other three guys have to somehow get over without the reaction of people there. They're going to be related to the Undisputed Era. Now they have to carve out their own identities. I think it's going to be really, really up to NXT to come up with some good, good creative stuff for these guys. And help them get over. The same way NXT helped like an EO Shirai get over with the packages that they put together for her, like I always put over Jeremy Borash for the great work he does uh, behind the scenes at NXT with those, you know, with all of the packages especially the EO one. We're gonna have to see some good stuff for the rest of those Undisputed Era guys. Can they go in the ring and wrestle and get the job done? Absolutely. But you know what? Wrestling for the sake of wrestling, it doesn't get you over to the moon and doesn't make you a millionaire. You need that character. You need that personality. You need to be able to talk. You need to elicit emotion. It's all about emotion, Dave, and whether or not these guys can do it remains to be seen.
0: You know, Bully, it's an interesting conversation to have because you're right. Adam Cole... And, and it's, not, it's the way he's, he was presented. And, but it's also, I think, personality and character-wise. There's no doubt Adam Cole's the leader. And he, there is a, a big gap between Adam Cole and the other members of the Undisputed Era when it comes to personality and character. That's why I would like this. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm curious if the nation agrees to this or not, Bully. In the fact that I don't want to see Undisputed Era break up. I want to see Undisputed Era reload, meaning almost like a a bullet club in NXT where, you know what? Adam Cole, you lost your championship. You're changing your personality and character. You're not relying on the other members of the club. So you're out of the club. And now we have a new leader. So I'm not even looking for like a Kyle or, you know, a Kyle O'Reilly or a Bobby Fish or a Roderick Strong to step up. Because honestly, I haven't seen enough of them to say, all right. You know what? That's the next leader of next leader of Undisputed Era. I'd rather them find somebody else and make them the leader of Undisputed Era. It's interesting, but I don't want to see Undisputed Era break up. I don't want to see Dave, I'm sorry, but that is not a good
2: idea. Let me see if I'm hearing you correctly. You'd like to see somebody else step in to become the leader of Undisputed Era. Yes. That puts the three of those guys behind the eight ball even more. They've already, they already play second fiddle to Adam Cole, perception wise. Cole is the one who has, gets the big matches and who has the big matches. He's the majority, does the majority of the talking. He's the star. Now all of a sudden Cole splits and these three guys go, Oh, we need a new leader. You've just cut, you've emasculated all of them instantly. Now they mean less than they ever have. And I'm not saying they mean less. I'd say they just don't mean as much as Adam Cole.
0: Now they will be looked at as true second bit players. All right. So let me ask you this, Bully, because it's a really good counterpoint. Who could be that guy? Like, I love Kyle O'Reilly and Nobody. I love Kyle O'Reilly. Nobody. Nobody should be
2: the leader of the undisputed era.
0: Just have it like without a leader, just a group without a leader.
2: I would do the same thing with the Undisputed Era as I just said for the Elite. The Undisputed Era was a really good faction in NXT. Let them go their separate ways for now. And if you ever need to bring them back, you can. Look at DX. Look at D Generation X. Okay. What a what a what a strong unit. All went their separate ways. And then when they got back together for the 97th time you know that they've done it but it always seems to work in one way shape or form especially if you, I, I don't remember the first time dx got back together but i'm assuming the first time they did get back together it was a big deal because people were into the group you can do the same thing with the undisputed era when you have factions these factions can only be as strong as another faction that they're up against if you don't have another faction or another one person to stand up against the faction, you're dead in the water. I'll just use the aces and eights as an example. Who was the faction to stand up to the aces and eights? There was none, but there was a really strong veteran in Sting and a really uh, strong uh qu- quote-unquote up-and-comer in AJ Styles those guys were able to stand toe-to-toe with an entire faction and that's what you need you need that real if it's a heel faction you need that real strong baby face to stand up to them and babyface factions really don't do anything you know a babyface faction is
0: is good for you know here and there, but really doesn't draw money. It's 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 funny because it's it's an interesting conversation to have, especially with factions. And you're right about the babyface factions, though the, the Shield a little bit they went from being heels to being babyfaces, but that was more because of Roman Reigns. But let me ask you this. We had AJ Styles on, and I remember talking about AJ Styles. We had him on because, you know, I called him the wrestler of the decade. And one of the things, and one of the things off his resume is I said, hey, he was the leader of the Bullet Club. And he said, I was never the leader of the Bullet Club. I was never the leader of the Bullet Club. But the perception-wise, he was the leader of the Bullet Club. Because I think, listen, the Four Horsemen, you know, the leader of the Four Horsemen was Ric Flair. Why? Because he held the gold, you know. Even if there's not a quote-unquote leader, you're going to gravitate towards somebody that is going to be the quote-unquote leader. There was no leader to the shield, but perception-wise, it was Roman Reigns. It's interesting when you look at the Undisputed Era, if there is no Adam Cole, who people would gravitate as the leader. Because ultimately, Bully, I think you made the best point of all, maybe it's just Maybe it's just like an elite situation where they fracture and they break up for the time beating time being, and then they get back together at some point. Cause I really don't know who in that group would be the pseudo leader, even if they're not named the leader, And you don't, you don't
2: have to have a leader, let them go their separate ways. And, and you know, you, you, what you just said just brings back so many memories of what I personally went through, like being a part of the aces and eights and them wanting to meet wanting me to be the leader creatives like you're the leader you're the leader and I would argue with them I'm like listen I can be the leader standing behind everybody I said let's give everybody else an opportunity to shine I said yeah you're gonna make me the leader and you're gonna make me the champion and all this shit that's great People will know that. Let everybody else be there too. Let me stand side by side with everybody at the very least. Or let me stand in the background. Let's give everybody equal time here. Because I was confident in my ability to, I'm going to shine. I'm going to find the spotlight when I need to find the spotlight. I'm, it, it's going to work. I, I had confidence. I didn't want this to be the Bully Ray show and the Aces and Eights as a backup band. I wanted everybody to be a part of it together. And I would... And I definitely fought a lot of battles, but at the end of the day, creative said, you know, this is what we really want. And even if you, if you watch back then, I always tried to include all of the other guys with me. Like I would just happen to be a part of the gang also, and not the, you know, the, the leader leader. And I don't know if that's the way it came off, but that's why I, but that's what I wanted to try to do. Cause I wanted everybody to be as equal as possible.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation because you look at the inner circle, Jericho's the leader, but yet everybody in that group definitely shines and he lets them shine. So I think it's an interesting but that, conversation. But that, and that's a great point, too, because why does Chris let them shine? because
2: he's confident enough in his own ability. He knows he's gonna shine. He knows he's gonna get himself over. He knows that at any given moment, if there's a spotlight, he can grab it and put it right back on him. So when you're that confident in your ability and you're with a bunch of other guys,
0: here guys, you take the spotlight. You use it, you get yourself over, I'll be fine. But it's kind of like the the undisputed era in this way. Like, Jericho's the leader. He's confident. Listen, Jericho's freaking Chris Jericho. He doesn't have to worry about it. So all he could do is just push the other guys in the group. It doesn't hurt Jericho at all. But if Jericho ever left... There's no more inner circle. Like, you know, we're going to have Santana and Ortiz on. If they left, you could probably find another tag team that could fill that spot. Jake Hager, if he leaves, they can, you could probably find another strong guy to come in and fill that spot. If Jericho leaves, there's nobody that can fill that void. Unfortunately, I think you're right, Bully, in the same thing with the Undisputed Era. You got some great I mean, Kyle O'Reilly, I can't be more high on Kyle O'Reilly than I am right now. But if Adam Cole is gone, there's nobody that can fill that role. Undisputed error is done, at least for the time being. And I'm, I'm okay with that.
2: Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox.
0: New episodes are
2: available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple
0: Podcasts. I mean, from everything that we've heard from the Busted Open Nation last night on social media and today on the phones, everybody absolutely was amazed by the main event on AEW Dynamite last night. And somebody that definitely showed a lot of great, even in a loss, is Santana and Ortiz. And they join us right now, right here on Busted Open Guys, thank you so much for the time, especially after a match like that last night. Thank you so much for the time today. Uh, thank
1: you guys for having us, man. It's great to, to be back and, and shooting the show with you guys, man. Always a
2: good time. How you guys feeling this morning?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: All right, not too bad. Uh, honestly, a lot better than I think we thought we were going to feel. Not too bad, yeah. Riding that, that, that match high. You know when you have a good match, you just ride that high. And that's what we're writing
1: right now hell yeah it's it's definitely uh a great feeling and and you already know to get praise from dudes that you look up to and you uh you um have a lot of respect for is 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 a dope feeling
0: well yeah, thanks thank i so mean i didn't colors. i didn't think you guys thought that highly of me i I appreciate that i respect <laughs> you guys as well you know, so. was, i was i was waiting for it dave i was waiting for it <laughs> You know, it's, it's first of all, you guys got screwed last night. Orange Cassidy getting involved is a bunch of BS. But that aside, like it's been a while since Bully and I spoke to you because I think this might be the first time that we spoke to you both since you've joined AEW. You guys joined AEW August of last year. Talk about this this year, the last 12 months for both of you.
1: I mean, um, I think the best word to 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 use to describe it has been roller coaster man roller coaster in every sense of the word, not just uh professionally but personally in my life and you know just uh, it's it's been it's been one for the ages I guarantee that yeah, uh, to go off
3: of what he said um i mean it's been amazing a great learning experience uh we've been challenged uh and, and I love it. Every time we've gotten challenged in our career, we've uh, become better performers and become better athletes. And uh, I think, uh, especially after last night, um, we've been given opportunities to run with the ball and a stadium stampede and, and doing all these type of uh, matches and events. Uh, it's amazing, man. Uh, and I love it. I, I just want more. I'm like, just keep giving us more because I, I just want to keep elevating our game. I wanna, uh, we want to be remembered that's always our goal and uh, uh and I think we are constantly getting the opportunity to do so and it's been great it's been fun and I love it I uh, I really think we made the best decision about coming to AEW <laughs>
2: What was the mindset going into the match last night? Lots of guys go into different matches for different reasons. Sometimes it's selfish reasons. Sometimes it's because they, they want to see people put them over on social media or they want to steal the show. And sometimes guys go out there for the right reasons of we want to tell the best story. What was the number one goal everybody involved had last night?
1: I think... Um... I think everyone's main goal was telling, like you said, telling a great story, and uh, the culmination of everything that we built uh, within the the month of August. You know, leading to this time and this point. I think it, it you know, the the match came out the way it did because it it need, it almost needed to. You know, like the the heat that we were bringing, the fight that that they were bringing, and and um, you know, it it also showed a side that very few people get to see out of best friends. You know what I mean? These guys are always, uh, very ha ha and very jokey and very, and we were able to bring out a different side to them. And I think us as heels and as performers, we did our job with, with doing that, you know what I mean? And, and just, uh, the whole, uh, story that we told within the actual match and, and their, their, uh, their fight and their fire. And then us, Um, you know, gaining our control and then them, you know, bringing it back and showing us that they had that fire again. So, I mean, it was just uh, Pro Wrestling 101 that that we try to do. And not just that, but also help elevate the brand and the company and and the show in itself, you know?
3: Yeah, honestly, uh, we went in with a chip on our shoulder and we were just like, we want to show people, we want to show the world that we belong to be in the main event slot. There's a lot of people where I've seen and I read a few people saying I didn't expect it to be this good. And that's exactly what we wanted. You know what I mean? We just wanted to prove that we, we belong in the main event, that we can main event, any show, any pay-per-view and give us the opportunity and, uh, and we might sacrifice our bodies along the way, but we're going to prove that we belong there.
0: The one you, word,
1: And you, and you bully uh, know, know all about that, man.
2: Uh, I I can relate to both your answers uh, and I really like the whole chip on your shoulder answer. It's not, I don't look at that in a negative way. I look at that as being just like real confident in your team's ability. You're going to go out there and you're going to basically tell the entire world and the entire roster, follow that. Like if you can't follow that, then maybe we do belong in the main event every single week. And maybe the biggest stars in AEW are a tag team called proud and powerful. That's why I like that whole chip on your shoulder thing. Because as tag teams, you're always, no matter where you are, you're struggling for that main event slot at all times. So I get where you guys are coming from.
0: And I think, bullying. we heard this word a lot, not only out of your mouth, Bully, but our our fans that called in so far this morning. The one word that they used more often than not in describing that match last night was realistic. I think when you look at a lot of these matches that happen in these, you know, outside brawls and parking lot brawls is they look a little bit too cinematic, a little bit too stage. You know, you know, guys that looked as realistic as realistic could be last night.
3: Yeah, man, that's a testament to the production team. They did an amazing job shooting that match. Um, uh, as Tony stated uh, on Twitter, uh, we did it in one sh- one take. It was one shot. It was filmed like a regular match. And, um, man, the, the production team were on top of everything. They they were they caught all the angles. Uh, honestly, we, we got to watch it back uh, after we did the match. And there wasn't much editing at all, if any. Uh, and it was amazing. Uh, shout out to the production team, Uh they did amazing
1: and also like i uh we ortiz and i also had this this quick little chat amongst ourselves before going out there and we were like yo we're coming to fight i don't know who else is coming to do whatever but in my mind in my head i'm coming with all the fire fury that i've had pent up this entire year and we're coming to fight like uh if a uh, uh, a phrase that I used um, before the cameras went on was uh, clench your jaw, boys, because we you know, there's going to be there's going to be some some uh, potatoes thrown. And uh, again, thankfully, we we all walked out of it safe and we all took care of each other. And, and here we are to, to talk
2: about it. So you talked about a pent up fire and fury. Are you talking about a real-life pent-up fire and fury over the past year? Oh, 100%, yeah. And, and what is that? What, what is that pent-up fire and fury? Uh, a lot
1: of it has to do with, you know, my own personal um, mental health and also losing my dad in January. Um, that's something that I'm still continuously uh, dealing with every single day and, and still learning uh, the, this new person that I am um after dealing with that um also dealing with my mental health and my depression and my anxiety uh it, it's just been like i said a, a roller coaster of a year and um it's it's taken a lot to not explode in a negative way and thankfully uh we had this outlet and this opportunity for me to channel all this this frustration and all this energy that that i had pent up for so long you know Um, and you know, uh, it's a lot of everything. It's personal, it's professional. It's like you said, we had the chip on our shoulder. We want to prove that we're the best. We want to prove that we belong in the main event and, uh, we'll stop at nothing to do exactly that. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm thankful that I've had the support system in place, not just at home, but, you know, on the road with, with the company that, uh, you know, they, since my dad has passed, they've been the biggest support system I could ask for. And um, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of times where you feel like you're not in a place where you want to be and your mind starts, you know, messing with you and starts playing games with you. And um, sometimes you need to take a step back and, and look at the overall big picture and, and check yourself pretty much. And uh, I've, I've been able to do that. And again, thankfully, uh, I was able to channel that energy in in this kind of way.
0: It's it's always tough, uh, you know, losing a parent, losing a loved one. And uh, unfortunately, it's something that everybody has to deal with um, at least your father was able to see you, uh, before he passed on this stage, you know, with all the, you know, with everything that you've gone through, you know, it it, it has to feel good that he was able to see you with AEW, be able to see you on television, on national TV. I mean, that, that's a gift that he was at least able to see that before he left.
1: And I'm, and I'm so, I will forever be thankful for that. The fact that he, uh, not only got to see me make it and got to see me live out my dreams, but also got to see, uh, the man that I became after dealing with, you know, the life that I've dealt with, you know what I mean? I, I, uh, I say this all the time and Ortiz is a Testament. He's, he's known me since I was a kid. I ain't supposed to be here. I ain't supposed to have done what I'm doing today. And, uh, and, um, I take this shit to heart. You feel me? Um, This shit is my life. And, uh, yeah, my bad.
2: No, man. Nope. No bad. It's all good. I'm nobody. There's a lot of people that are happy for you, but I'm really happy for you guys. And you know why I'm really happy for you guys. I love it when you guys go out there and tear
0: it down and see the show. I'm happy you earned every last bit of it. And your father's looking down at you proud, like, you know, uh, you know, I have this discussion with with my wife, Violetta, who lost her mom. And I always tell her, like, your mom would be so proud of you right now, what you're going and your father's looking down and he's proud of you. So always remember to keep that in your heart. There's a lot of pride here, for sure. Well,
2: Ortiz Take us, behind, take us behind the curtain a little bit on the putting together of this match. And did anybody have a foundation of an idea or a story and who brought what to the table and how was the interaction between everybody involved? And did you disagree on anything? Um,
3: well, thanks to Jerry Lynn, he agented the match. So, I mean, Jerry Lynn has all the experience in the world when it comes to these type of matches. Um, and yeah, he definitely gave us the guidance. Cause we came with a bunch of crazy ideas. As you can imagine, you know, we, we were just like, Oh, let's do this, let's do this, 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 this. And Jerry uh, harped on, he doesn't want the maps to be like build furniture. You know what I mean? Where the guys are trying to build all these crazy uh, uh, extravagant things to get put in through or whatever the case is. Uh, so Jerry kept harping on that. He wants the match to match the flow, which I think we accomplished in the match. And um, I mean, we, we were pretty much all on the same page. We all wanted to, uh, for lack of a better term, murder each other. Um, and we were down. We were down for whatever. And Santana also had that talk where it was just like, hey, guys, listen, um, we're going out there. This is a fight to us. You know what I mean? We, we, at the end of the day, we'll be fine. We're, we're, you know, But let's go out there with that mentality. Because if we don't have that mindset, like this is a real fight, it's not going to come across on the screen. So that's kind of where we got. We all, all of us sat down. We talked, and we were in agreement. Uh, if anything, we got talked down to doing certain things because See, uh,
1: seeing uh, seeing seeing their faces when I said, "Yo, <laughs> I'm I'm," you know, we we coming with that fire. Yeah. So I I expect the, the same thing. Yeah. I think that's the 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 color that, the color come that off. In, Yeah, <laughs> that image will live in in my memory forever. Because I I looked at and it was you know it's. Pretty packed locker room in front of everybody. I was like, yo, we're coming to fight. So either you put your hands up and you fight back, or we're going to eat you alive. So, I mean, yeah. it's, <laughs> I mean yeah, there, was no, there was no other way that I could have put that. Either you fight, or you're going to get you know, alive. And,
2: and, and, D- and Dave, watch this. You know how I, I talk about the heel making the baby face and making the baby face fight? You know how I would talk about smacking Dreamer in the face and making him fight? Look at what Santana just said. He told them beforehand, you better get ready because we're throwing some live rounds and you better get ready to go. And at the beginning of the show, I told you my faith in best friends had been restored. Mm -hmm. Why? Because proud and powerful made them fight. Look at how that all comes together and works for the benefit of the product. Everybody got over last night. And that's the goal. Everybody should get over. So, man, hearing you
0: say that is awesome. God, if you said that to me, there would definitely be a puddle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, One thing that we're celebrating here on Busted Open is uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, And then watching AEW Dynamite last night, you know, Santana Ortiz in the main event, Evil Lee's going up against Thunder Rosa, which was a absolute tremendous match. It seems like at least with AEW in the world of pro wrestling, definitely a lot of spotlight, especially now it being Hispanic heritage month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Like we, you know, we're, we're, two prideful dudes, you know what I mean? And and we love our people. We love our culture. We love what we represent. So getting to do it at this stage, um, at this level and, and to have the, uh, you know, the amount of, of crazy talented Latinos doing it today is, is so dope. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't like this in the States you know, there weren't, there weren't a lot of, uh, Latino professional wrestlers that we were able to look up to or look at and be like, Hey, I want to be like that guy. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the last I could remember is, you know, maybe Savio or before that Pedro Morales and, and then Eddie, you know what I mean? But, um, as far as Puerto Ricanos and Puerto Ricans, and, and there's, there's not many. And, and we've always said that, uh, we, we want to be considered the best Puerto Rican tag team to ever be in professional wrestling. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, we're every day, we're working towards that. And, uh, you know, the fact that we get to not just represent our people and culture, but represent where we come from and, and and Puerto Rico and the Bronx, you know what I mean? The Bronx being little Puerto Rico, um, you know what I mean? It's, it's something very special and very important to us. And, uh, just all over pro wrestling, I feel like Latinos have had such a resurgence in the sport. And I think it's great. And, um, you know, guys coming from Mexico and just the whole, you know, battle we had with Lucha brothers, you know, uh, a few years ago. And we literally took that match around the world from the States to Canada, to Mexico, to England. Um, and you know, it, 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 it reminded me of, of that, uh, the old school loop and battle that, that uh, Ray Mysterio psychosis had back in the day where they took that match all over the world and they killed it everywhere, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it's just been awesome.
2: Earlier Uh, on in the show, uh, we were talking about, Uh, younger guys getting to work with veterans. You guys have been around for a while, but obviously younger as far as TV exposure. And you're getting to work Mm -hmm. with, uh, you're getting to work with Chris Jericho right now. What's it like Mm -hmm. working with Chris? Does he give you a lot of leeway or is he kind of telling you exactly where to go?
1: He's uh, seeing, sorry, seeing, uh, seeing, Jericho's uh, confidence in us and our abilities and our talent has been something that's, that's humbling, man. Cause he lets us rock. He lets us do us. And he trusts that uh, we know what we want to do, how we want to do it and what we want to portray and put, and put forth, you know, um, he, of course he steps in when he feels like, you know, something could be better or something could be improved. But for the most part, he's been so gracious with, Just letting us rock and and trusting us and not just him, but, but everyone there, they, they, uh, they, you know, we were brought in for a reason. Everyone there is brought in for a reason. And the fact that, uh, they, they trust in that reason, you know, to, to let us rock and let us do our thing is, is pretty dope.
3: Yeah, and even at times, he'll, he'll even ask our advice on something, and he's just like, hey, how does this yeah. sound, guys, or whatever. And it mind boggling to us. And we're like, oh, you're asking our advice? You've been doing this for how long and making money out of it? Uh, but it's very humbling, it's very awesome. Uh, yeah, man, we couldn't ask for a better uh, mentor at this level.
0: How many times did he force you to listen to Judas? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Obviously, only, only when we come
3: out—that's it. That's the only time we listen to Judas. Only when we come out as a as a group of stable.
2: Well, one of the things that we talk about on the show and that I do hear some fans talk about, more traditional wrestling fans, is AEW's maybe lack of selling and doing a lot of spotty stuff. What's your guys' take on it Um, when it comes to the psychology of the wrestling? like You guys do a lot of crazy stuff. Do you think the selling across the board can be improved on, or do you think that you're in a company that you know, listen, we're going to go out there and we're going to do what we do and we're going to cater to our fan base. And if they love it, so be it. We're not going to worry about anything else. Uh, Yeah,
3: I think it's something that always needs to be worked on for sure. And uh, just something that we uh, as a unit are actually trying to work towards. We've been trying to change up our style and, uh, and work more of that, especially thanks. Shout out to Eddie Kingston. He's been having me watch nothing but All Japan, King's Road, So even uh, uh, with, yeah, the best wrestling, um, even
2: with, (laughs) uh, even with the king, the best, the best seller in the history of sellers. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And and you would
3: think, I think a lot of people associate fighting spirit with no selling, which is, it's not that. And they did it in such a way that even though they had that fight towards the back end of the match, uh, it made sense. There was a build to it. You had to really work down your opponent to really defeat them. And that's why, you know, Kobashi would only bring up the burning hammer like once or twice in his career. Because if he hit that move, that's it. Or uh, Misawa hitting the drive, Tiger Driver 91. If he hit that, that's it. But I also love how they would win matches with a crossbody, a moonsault or an elbow out of nowhere. And I think uh, that's been lost in today's wrestling. And uh, that's something we personally are trying to now put into our matches and and trying to implement that in a way. But to to answer your question, I think across the board, selling 100% could be improved in all of wrestling, uh, not just with us. But there are times that there are those matches where F that goes out the window, let's ball to the wall and let's have a fireworks show. I think it works on both aspects. uh, But if it's done correctly and by someone... Uh, that has the talent to do it, not to blow smoke off uh, up Eddie's ass again, but Kingston is really good at doing that. Uh, He looks tough. Uh, If you go back and watch his matches, he'll sell for you, but he sells in such a way that uh, there's realism to that, and I think that's a testament to his favorite wrestling promotion, All Japan, and uh, yeah.
1: And then the company itself also, uh, I feel like everyone... the the beauty of AEW is that it's maintained this, this clash, this, uh, this abundance of, of styles. And I think that's what continues to make it interesting is that, uh, yeah, there's people that want to stick to their thing and, and, and that's okay, but there's also guys doing this. There's also girls doing that. There's also, so I think that's the beauty is that you're getting the best of all worlds. And, and, um, yeah, like I, I,
2: uh, just just following up on Eddie Kingston cuz me and Dave uh obviously happy for him we think he's doing uh an incredible job uh, especially on the microphone uh you know uh just Everything about him is real. I know you guys are friends with Eddie. Can you talk about the difference in the way you guys got brought into the company and the way Eddie got brought in? Eddie earned his job, in my eyes, in the most old-school way possible. Like, you're coming in for one shot, and we'll see how it goes. And look how it went for him. And this guy's been around for a long, long time. And now me and Dave are talking about and A lot of people are talking about him as one of the best talkers, if not the most realistic talker in the business right now.
3: Uh, yeah, man. I, I think uh, what Eddie can do on the mic is a lost art. Or there's, very, uh, there's a handful of people that can do it currently in our business. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's a testament to him always – putting himself as it's real. Like he likes to say, he said in our interviews, everything he says about himself is a, is a shoot. About his opponents, sometimes is a shoot, but more, nine times out of 10, he's just, you know, uh, shooting the shit. But I think that's what honestly brings so much realism to when he talks on the mic, because he's not lying. You can see it in his eyes. You can see the way he delivers the lines. He's not lying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, to us, we were brought in uh, I, it was the first Jericho's crew, first Jericho cruise. We worked on that, and Jericho got to see us live in a person. And we kind of, you know, things went, and that's how we got our spot. But like you said, Eddie came in for a one-shot deal. His mentality was like, "Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that paycheck." He, uh, he had to sell his wrestling gear because uh, he was doing independence. He just came off of a tour in England, I believe, and he was supposed to go back for another six months, but then everything shut down because of COVID. And he was at a point in his life where he was just like, all right, well, uh, w- what's the paycheck like? Uh, like, I'm coming in to make money. I got to pay my mortgage. And he earned himself a spot because he he they gave him that mic in the beginning. and I think that's what made him for that spot. Plus, he backed it up in the match and it looked like a fight. And and Cody looked like a badass at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And uh, I think uh, that's a testament to him being, as he
1: would like to say, 18 years. 18 years. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait till till November because that's when he has his anniversary. Just oh, to yeah. see his Twitter bio change to 19 years. He does it <laughs> <That's more laughs> day. That's he dope. does it right <laughs> on the day. He did it from At 17 to 18. Midnight. Yeah. bro, midnight. He's it's gonna change from yeah. 18 to 19.
2: Dave, <laughs> isn't it amazing that <laughs> earlier you were talking about um, how? When you look in a wrestler's eyes, you can tell that a promo yep. is fake. And hearing Ortiz talk about Eddie, if you look in his eyes, you can tell it's all real. Like it's all there, man. It's all in that delivery, of the eyes, and that's why those scripted promos are, are should be a
0: thing of the past. Anyway, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Now when you look at what's going on with AEW Dynamite right now, you mentioned COVID it's hit everybody, but now there's been some fans back a very small amount, but you know, about 200, 250 fans back at daily's place. How good was it to be able to perform in front of a crowd again?
3: Uh, Wrestling in front of a crowd uh, is like the best drug in the world. There's something about it. Um, Getting that instant gratification when you put something together or you, you go on the fly and, and, and you change something and it gets uh, uh, that gut reaction out of people. And you could tell, uh, I mean, a testament to the guys sitting uh, front row, the guys and the girls uh, trying to make noise for us and stuff like that. But it's not very organic. You know what I mean? They're trying to do their best. Sometimes it is organic. But getting a crowd and, and knowing that you're getting a, an organic reaction out of them, whether it's good or bad, uh, it's the best thing in the world Even having 200 fans or even having 15 fans I mean we came up on the indie circuit We're, we're, we're no strangers to wrestling In front of 20 people you know what I mean It's just in a bigger arena uh, But uh, it's great Man I, I love it I, I can't wait until we get back To some sense of normalcy And and we could wrestle in front of pack arenas Again if, if that's even a future uh, For the sport But Yeah man go- it's great
1: To go off Ortiz, I mean, we, there's one thing that we've realized um, within these last few months is how much the order of the audience is a part of the magic that we make. You know what I mean? Like they, uh, having them back has been a, a great feeling and just being able to, to, to come out and look up into the rafters and actually see people there now. It's, it's a good feeling, man. It yeah.
0: sucks because it's like it was two weeks away from being in Newark, New Jersey. You know, you're almost coming home. It's just like two weeks away and it was going to be yeah. the biggest crowd in AEW's history. And then, you know, but you guys, I, and Bully and I talk about it all the time. First of all, I thought AEW was ahead of the curve when it came to presenting a product without an audience. I thought you guys were able to do that. And now having an audience back Again, it's, it it is, it's an element that's sorely missed in pro wrestling, but at least you have that little bit of audience and Ortiz, you said it too. Like who knows if we're ever going to be able to get that back to a full capacity, you know, how, how long it would be before we can have, you know, 15,000, 20,000 fans in a venue again.
3: I'm I'm hoping, I'm praying. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I, I wanted to get back to that, but you know, if it's not, you you, you uh, move on with the times and we figure it out, whatever the new version of wrestling becomes.
0: You adapt. <laughs> yeah, and you guys have definitely adapted and congratulations on all your success. The last year, you guys have been killing it. It's been amazing. And again, being in the main event last night on AEW Dynamite, I mean, fantastic. Love you guys. Thank you so much for the time today.
2: Thank you, Dave. Thank you Daniel. guys Thank you for, for having us.
0: Excellent job guys. I'm very proud of you.
2: Keep up the great work. Yes, sir. Thank Cheers. That means a man. lot.
1: Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters